Welcome to the Topeka First podcast. We are one church with several locations. Our mission is to reach our community with the message of Jesus. If you would like to give to support this podcast and the ministries of our church, please visit topekafirst.com giving. Enjoy the podcast. All right. Well, this morning we're going to uh, wrap up our series on celebrations, and we're going to uh, look over into Luke chapter 15 together. And uh, we just want to keep our hearts open to what the Holy Spirit wants to speak to us through the Word of God. And and it's here we're going to let this passage about the lost sheep and the lost coin uh, have some impact to our hearts. And we need to consider the context for this passage. It's important that we read in the context or at least understand what that context is. And uh, that we, with these two two parables, there's actually three, but we're going to just hit a couple of them this morning. Have you ever come into the room where a meeting was happening and you heard one of the supervisors say something and you were a little little disturbed by it? Uh, maybe they said something like, I think we should just crush him while we can so that it doesn't get out of hand. Or, or maybe someone else in the meeting says, I, I simply think that we should just take that chemical that we have down in the basement and douse it on him until he can't move anymore. I think I'd be a little concerned. And then finally, you have another person and one of the directors says, you can do all that that you want to, but the only way that we can deal with that guy is to take a shovel to him. I think we're all worried at this point, right? And uh, so and then, then you start hearing them saying something else and they start uh, talking about a roach they found in the office. And then you're like, oh, okay. Okay, that makes me feel a little bit better there. And now you understand, right? So context is everything. Context is important. So before we read Jesus' parable this morning, these two parables, uh, let's consider some of the things that have been happening up to this point. Uh, We see several things. Over in Luke chapter 14, we find that Jesus was at a prominent religious leader's house. He was spending some time there. It all starts with Jesus caring about people. That's what he did, right? He cared for people. He loves people. And so there, he's there at that place. And then we find in Luke 14, verse 3, that, uh, that Jesus heals a man from dropsy, probably edema, something like that. And he does so on the Sabbath. And that gets some people all up, upset. And people started competing then to get into a chair of prominence, say, they wanted to have the best chair in the house, and so they're trying to do that. And uh, so Jesus reminds them not to simply invite your friends to dinner, you know, those who can pay you back with, a, with an invite back, but give a banquet to those who can't return the favor, and God will bless you. So a guy, then we see a guy's all excited, and he's excited as they're sitting down at the table at this guy's house, and he... And he says in verse 15, he says, blessed is the person who will eat at the celebration in God's kingdom. And then we see that uh, we're going to celebrate on that special day together. We look forward to that, right? And that marriage supper of the lamb, as the scripture talks about it. Jesus said it well. He said, "You you can invite all kinds of people, but some just won't come to the banquet, right? Some won't come. Evidently, some will have things that they seem to think are more important than God. And, and that's kind of his point. And it, it was even at, that, even at that time, Jesus faced out among people in the area. And, uh, if they won't come in, you have to invite people until the place is filled up. 
Uh, it doesn't matter who they are, where they come from, doesn't matter their background, that's not their past, that's not what it's about, but it's about their future. Where does God want to take them? What does God want to do in their lives? You know, we all have a past, but let's leave the past in the past and press forward and allow God to work in our lives. And we find in this, uh, in the context here, we find that Jesus is speaking to the crowds, explaining them the cost of following him. And once we've opened our hearts to God, he tells them to uh, count the cost because it may cost you everything to serve him. He reminds us that we must give up everything to become his disciple. It's in this context that Jesus speaks to those who are gathering around him at this point. And the faithful religious crowd have, have got an earful from Jesus at this, at this time. And, it, and it's in this setting that we start to look at, or at Luke chapter 15 verses 1 to 10. And the theme of these two parables that we're looking at, it's a twofold theme. You've got two parables here, but it was God's love for his lost kids and, and the joy that he has when they return to him. Let's look at Luke 15, verse 1 together. It should be on the screen. It says, Now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. Then Jesus told them this parable. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go after, after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. And then he calls his friends and his neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me, I have found my lost sheep. I tell you that in the same way there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 persons who do not need to repent. So what we see and we find out of Jesus' life is that he, he, was, uh, he was glad to serve and to minister to people of all kinds, whether they were poor or whether they were rich. But one thing, one way or the other, he cared for them. He reached out to those who were on the right side of the tracks and those that were on the other side of the tracks. And Jesus was not willing to share hope uh, without offering people the opportunity to come to God. And we know that he made uh, some of the religious crowd upset in these times as he was talking to them uh, because of uh, his openness towards people of all situations, and he was trying to reach out to them. And the religious crowd was glad to serve people that were like them, but those that were different, those, you know, that ate cheese on their hamburger, <laughs> Although, you know, if you're Jewish, you can't put those together. You know, those guys, they, they, they didn't want to have anything to do with those guys. Somebody's different. No, you can't, you can't stick around me. You can't hang around me. And even Jesus, he, he hung out even with traitors. We see that. He's at the tax collector's house, right? He hung out with them because he was spending time with them, and he was encouraged them to go, encouraging them to go the right direction. You know, he hung out with those people that weren't like you. You know, maybe they were Republican or Democrat or Independent, whichever flavor you are. But we, uh, we understand that it's, it's not all about that stuff. And, and now Jesus is not saying that uh, he, didn't, uh, he wouldn't challenge them to correct some things in their lives, because he did, didn't he? 
told the, the one woman, he said, who had been caught in adultery, he said, go and sin no more. He didn't leave her there and said, do whatever you want. He didn't say that. His love and acceptance brought people to a place of change. And that's what's important for us as, for us as followers of Jesus, that we recognize that he can bring us to a place of change and has, but there's others out there in this world who also he can bring to a place of change. Now, for many people, Jesus was just a little bit too radical for them. He was just a little bit too radical, and yet they, they, what they didn't figure out is that, that Christ takes on the idea of hero. They, they knew it, kind of, but Jesus is the Messiah, the Christ, and, and he's the one to save the people, but something doesn't make sense for them here. They, they wanted a hero to save them from Roman rule, and that's great. They, they wanted the one that's going to set them free on the political side. Yet it's like people, uh, they didn't want a hero that would save them from their own sin. And now I'm not in the, and we understand that uh, Jesus came to set us free. And most of us would expect that a hero is going to be radical, right? We'd expect that, and Jesus was radical uh, some years ago, back in the late 80s, early 90s, when I worked for GMC. Uh, we had, uh, had a customer that came in, and he brought in one of those bread trucks. Uh, they call them a P-Van. And uh, it's, uh, you guys see the UPS guys driving around in their trucks. It's something like that. They're usually lightweight. The bread truck doesn't have to haul very much other than bread and donuts, right? Now some of you are hungry. And uh, so that's, that's what they haul. And so this guy brought his truck in and said, I want it to go faster. And so what does he do? But he ordered a special engine that goes into a Corvette. And he said, I want you guys to put this engine in. And for you guys that are car buffs, it was an L88 427. Everybody else says, what? That's a drag racing engine out of a Corvette. And, uh, really powerful. But anyway, so he said, I want this put in my truck. And one of the technicians put it in there. And then he brought it back. And somehow it came to me. And he said, there's a problem with it. It won't run very well. We're like, well, of course it won't run very well. This isn't a drag strip. It's a, bre it's a bread truck, for goodness sake. And so they are designed not to idle and run around town and drive and, you know, that's not what they're for. That thing is built for racing, and that's why they use it for that. So all he did was complain when the thing didn't run right at low speeds. Well, of course, a, a race engine is radical. That's what it is. Sorry, that's my car guy coming out in me. But, but for us, we have to look at some other things. When people met Jesus, they met a hero. Yes, he was radical, and he showed care for people, and he considered, that he considered lost, those people that were disconnected to God, and so he was going to do whatever he could to connect them. That was important. So Jesus asked everybody, what if you had a hundred sheep? What if you had, had this flock of sheep, and if one sheep was lost, would you leave it alone? Would you just leave it out there by itself to, to fend for itself? No, you wouldn't do that. And he goes on to say, look, if this is, doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? We have to ask this question, doesn't that seem a little reckless? Jesus, isn't that reckless? Well, 
Why would, why would Jesus say to leave the, these sheep to fend for themselves while we go search for this lost sheep? You're 99 compared to the one who cares about the one. You know, you got 99 here. And uh, we have to understand here that he's talking about those who are in faith and those who are, who are lost without Christ and those who are lost may never have heard about God. They may not even realize that they're missing out on a friendship with the living God. And so those who are still in the faith are, are those uh, who we would say are still faithful in the, body, the church body. And if you remember the context, those who have listened to Jesus teach, and they even saw him heal this man just not too long before this, the man with dropsy, and, and they, knew he was, uh, he, they knew what he was talking about, and he, they knew he was telling them something. And they get it that Jesus is saying that he would leave the 99 and try to help these tax collectors and, quote, sinners and those without uh, faith in, in God. But it does, doesn't seem too radical. Back in the 1700s, there was a guy named uh, William Carey. Some of you that know your history know that he is the fa uh, father of modern missions. Uh, if you call 1700s, early 1800s modern, well, it is in the era. But anyway... And so he's the father of modern missions, and at one point he approached some pastors in Europe, that's where he was from, and he was talking to them about sharing Christ with people in India, and these guys, these were pastors, and they were upset with him. They were like, why are you worried about these people? Why are you worried about what they called the heathen? And he worked hard at changing how people viewed others. So that they could share Christ. In fact, he went there and he served many years. And then he had to leave the field. And he had to go even with the Dutch ministry to be able to serve there in that place. And, and uh, in fact, uh, uh, William Carey was one of those uh, individuals who was instrumental together with some others. in outlawing what was, uh, what was a thing where when the man would die, they would actually take the wife and throw her on the 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 fire to burn her together with him. She wasn't sick. She was okay. And they took care of that, and they, they broke that down and made it illegal to do it. Back to Jesus' words here. So one scholar, when he talks about the 99, Jesus leaving the 99 so that he could save the one, one scholar says about leaving the 99 in the open country these words. He says, it's not an irresponsible act. Shepherds generally worked in teams, so this man likely left the flock with one of his companions or some others that were there with them. And in the open country means that the shepherd delayed taking the rest home until he found the lost sheep. So he's going to come back uh, for them, and, but it's, he's going to take a while. Even if the shepherd left the 99 alone, they were still in a flock. And surely the rams could protect the lambs the weak, maybe to some level. Have you ever been around sheep at all? Maybe some of you had. My neighbors had sheep when I was growing up. And uh, they, so we would go over there. They were pretty good friends. And so uh, they had some rams as well. And those rams, you had to kind of watch out for them. They weren't always very nice. And, uh, and we would go over. And, and uh, one winter, I remember this one winter, my brother, who's older than me, and the uh, neighbor boy that's older, they decided to build a fort, a snow fort. They built this snow fort, a great fort, really looked really cool. 
And uh, so they poured water over the snow fort after it, was, after it was done and let it set overnight and it became hard. You know, it was like an, a block of ice. And then they would do something us boys do. And uh, they would go find the ram and they would tease him. Well, my brother ran fast in track and the other guy was a quarterback in football. And, and so they would run really fast and they would get that ram running after them and then they would jump into the snow fort. And that poor ram would hit his head on that ice block snow fort and just shake his head. He never could break through that thing. <laughs> and so the other brother, he was younger, he was a little younger than me, and him and I, sometimes we would go and move the ram from one place to another because they would have him tied up so he could graze and uh, like in the springtime and such. And so we would go out there, but you could never turn your back to him. And if you did, you may be a face planted on the ground because he was real good at protecting his territory. How does that relate to us? Well, let's get back to the story here. And uh, uh, when, when you live in a community, you can leave the flock to some level. In other words, there's others out there that are going to help. There's others that are going to be a part and take care of one another, just like those rams would. So leaving the 99 uh, uh, is not irresponsible. But here, this may seem a little unusual here, but it's here we have to step in and look at what the Apostle Paul says over in Ephesians chapter 4 together. He says in verse 11, he said, So Christ gave himself apostles and the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip his people for the work, works of service so that the body of Christ may be built built up until we all reach the unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then he says over in verse 16, this as well, he goes on and he says, From him the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. In other words, the, the, the ministry there is, is there and placed and put in place uh, to, to build each and every person up so that we can all take place in what God has us to do, so that we can all have a part in what God is doing. And if you're willing to take up your place serving the body of Christ, leaving the 99 will not be an issue as we all serve together, as we all work together, when we encourage each other and when we don't leave it only to certain people and we say, hey, all of us are together in this. Because we have 90,000, right? Pastor Steve has told us many times we have 90,000 who are yet to put their faith in Christ here in the Topeka area. As we partner together to see lost sheep come in, we will have something to celebrate. Now let's look at this next parable together. Luke chapter 15, verse 8, and it says this. It said, Or suppose a woman has ten silver coins and loses one. Those were uh, worth one, day, one day's wage each. Doesn't she light a lamp, sweep the house, and search carefully until she finds it? And when she finds it, she calls her friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me, I have found my lost coins. In the same way, I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents, over that one person who is not connected with God, over that person who comes to faith in Christ. 
here's this woman and she loses a coin. It's worth a day's wage. And we know that it's possible that this was more than just simply money for her. Uh, it may be part of her dowry that was worn in her headdress or on a necklace. We don't know for sure. Uh, but what we do know for sure is it was very important to her and expensive. Even if she is simply poor and that's all, uh, all it is, she has lost this coin. It's worth a day's wage and that's everything to her. Here's something that we have to remember about this woman too. She doesn't just sit back and hope that the coin will be found. She does something about it. She pulls out her flashlight at the time, whatever she had. Maybe it was a candle, maybe it was an oil light, and she gets out her latest vacuum so she can see through the side of it. Whatever she used, maybe a broom and a dustpan. And she's looking everywhere trying to find this coin because it's that important to her. She wasn't going to wait for anyone else to do what she can do. And when she finds the coin, she will be excited. She's going to shout it to the rooftops, from the rooftops, that, hey, I found it, I have it, and she's going to celebrate. So what does that mean to us as followers of Jesus? Well, we need to celebrate when someone comes to faith. These two passages here that we've looked at here uh, really point us to Luke chapter 19, verse 10, that says this. It says, for the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. That's what Jesus is all about. He, he's all about restoring people to a relationship with God. And that's why Jesus ended up giving his life on the cross. So that we could have redemption. So that we could be washed from our sins and have fellowship and have friendship with God again. So when someone comes to faith. We have a reason to celebrate. We have a reason to give thanks. And there is joy that comes with, with looking and finding those people who are lost. They may not even recognize. Some don't recognize that. Some don't recognize that they need God. Some do. Here's something we also must remember. Both of these searches, whether it was the search for the coin or the search for the lost sheep, both of them take work. And when you've been in the faith a while, you understand that not all your uh, friends are unbelieving uh, people. They may be friends, that, but you may have some, not as many as you may have when you first came to faith. But, but you, you may not have many connections with those who aren't trusting Christ, but you may have those connections at work. You may have those connections in the marketplace, in different places, and it's important to keep those connections in a way so that you can share hope with those people. It's important for us to make sure those connections are still viable in our lives. It was work for them. Newer followers of Christ may have more uh, people in their life that are not connected to God yet. You want to make sure that you can reconnect them to Him. And we know it's, it's not just us. It's, it's up to the Lord. The Lord has to work in their life. Both of these searches take work. You have to look for the lost and that... That, that is work for every one of us. And if you're going to look at that, first of all, for the sheep, think about that. Where is the sheep going to be? You have to think about where are they going to go? They're going to probably go find a pasture that's green. They're going to try to find some nice, good grass that's supple. They're going to look for some water. And so they may be over at the pond. And so you can go over there and look for them. You're going to go to those places where those people are going to be. What about lost people? 
there too are going to be in a place where they feel comfort. They may be camping, they may be working, they may be drowning their sorrows, but some don't even know that they're lost. They haven't uh, yet woken to see that they're in the middle of no man's land. Others do know they're lost, and they just can't find that way back to God yet. And that's where we come in to encourage them and to help them, to look to the God who cares for them, Jesus didn't care about their past. He didn't care about all the baggage that they had. And sometimes I think people get so focused on the past that they miss out on what God wants to do in people's lives. We have to recognize that God loves every person no matter who they are, no matter what they look like, no matter what they act like, no matter where they come from. He cares for them. It doesn't mean that he doesn't demand change from us. He he does. We, we've all came to that place. Many of us have come to faith, and we, before we came to Christ, we all had a past, right? I had a past. You had a past. But something happened in our lives when Christ came in, and he transformed us. He forgave us, and he brought us into relationship with a loving God who cares. And we have to remember that we can share those stories with those around us as well because there are broken pe- people everywhere. Jesus loves them. He cares for them. You may be one of those people here. I don't know. Jesus loves you and he cares for you. Jesus said over in Luke chapter 14, verse 23, he said this. Then the master told his servant, go out into the roads and country lanes and compel them to come in so that my house will be full. He wants every one of them. He wants every one of them. Doesn't matter, short, tall, wide, narrow, whatever they're like. He loves them and he wants them for himself. Then we have to ask ourselves, what is their value? What what is their cost? What is the cost of a person? It's priceless. I remember one time when I was in Paris, France, and I was in Versailles, or outside of Paris, and in Versailles where the uh, Louis XIV has his castle there, and Louis is gone, but the castle's there still. And uh, so uh, anyhow, I went in and we were going through and touring all the bit different buildings and every, or rooms. You know, that's a massive place. They said at one point they had 10,000 court members. Could you imagine having 10,000 people to take care of you? Hey, I need a popsicle. That would, that would be cool. Okay, number 475, would you come? Yeah. Well, anyhow, as I'm going through this place, we saw this chair in there. It's just a cool chair. And one of the people in the group asked, they said, how much is that chair worth? A million dollars? And the person's like appalled that they even asked that question, by the way. Hey, and it wasn't me. But, 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 but anyhow, they asked him and they said, that thing is priceless. You can't replace it. We're a lot better than a chair. People are a lot better than a chair. God loves every person, no matter what their personality, no matter what their background. He loves them and he cares for them. What is their cost? They're priceless. Every person matters. It's not the only, it's not the value that we put on other people. Here's the problem. Sometimes we try to put the value on that person because we have our own perspective. And so our own perspective says, oh, that person's worth this because they're from there. 
that person's worth that because this is the way they've lived or this person is this way because that's their type of job but the fact is is the value and the worth we place on people is not worth much it's the value that God puts on them that's really what matters would you stand with me this morning as we wrap up this morning let's think about a couple takeaways here this is the year of invitation some of you may remember earlier on this year back in January we handed you an envelope and on that envelope it had a seal on it it was a B for the Boulevard campus here in Topeka first and uh, and that envelope is just a reminder to say hey we need to be people who can invite others we can invite them to faith, invite them to church so they have a connection. And here we, in fact, uh, you should receive some of these uh, today in your bulletin if you haven't. I know the ushers should have plenty of them. And we're going to be handing these out for the next uh, three weeks because it says last words on it. It's going to be our series for the Easter series. And I want to challenge you to be able to take some of these and be able to hand out. And it's a year of invitation. Let's invite those. Maybe they look like us, maybe they don't. Maybe they act like us, maybe they don't. But one way or the other, God loves them and his value that he places on them is more than we could ever place on Christ. I want to challenge you to be able to hand some of these out. I have some in my pocket as well. When you do share hope and they accept it, it's celebration time. It's celebration time. And we can give God thanks. Maybe for you this morning, I don't know where you're at in your faith and your walk. Maybe you haven't made that step of faith. Maybe you haven't stepped across the line and said, I trust in you. Well, we know one thing. Jesus gave his life on the cross, the scripture tells us. He gave his life so that we might be forgiven, so that we may have a relationship with God. That's why he died on the cross so that we may have that connection, so that we may be forgiven. The scripture also tells us without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sin, there's no forgiveness without it. That blood was shed, that perfect blood, that one sacrifice, the ultimate sacrifice, no other sacrifice is going to take the place of what Jesus has done for you and I. And if you haven't accepted that sacrifice by faith, you can do so this morning say, Jesus, I believe you died on the cross for my sin, and I believe you rose from the grave on the third day. I accept you. Let me pray for you this morning. You can pray that prayer if you would like. Our prayer teams are going to come down. If you made, if you make that confession of faith in your mouth before the Lord, come and tell one of these people. Or if you have prayer needs, you need to leave, uh, lift up to the Lord. I want to give you that opportunity as well. Father, I pray for each person here in this place. Father, I pray that you would do your work in each and every one of us. Help us to recognize the value that you have placed on the lives of people. The value is so high that we can't even fathom. Father, it's not the value we place on it, but what you place on us. And Father, I pray this morning that you would help each and every one of us to recognize those opportunities that are around us on a daily basis where we may share faith with others. Where we may pass out a card and say, hey, come to my church. Father, where we may share our story. Christ came into my life and he forgave me and gave me hope. 
Father, I pray that you would help each and every one of us this morning as we look to you in faith. In Jesus' name.